0: Right, we'll just get ourselves, I'm going to bring this a bit forward. It's lovely to be here. And I'm going to start with a, with a wow. There are certain times when I go to places and I take part in the worship, and I have this amazing sense of angels entering the room. Now It doesn't happen every time, but it happened this morning. As we were worshipping, angels came in the back door and they went round that side and they went round that side and they all had banners and they started waving their banners. And they're still there. So you might just sense something at the side of the room. Now I'm going to try and remember how this little thing works to get this right. And the other thing is, this is the first church I've been in that has applauded the reading of the word. That is awesome. That is absolutely, oh, I'm going to take that back to my church and say, now don't just sit there in silence, because we have a reading every time somebody comes up and does the reading before the minister gives his, uh, gives his word. And uh, yeah, that is a wonderful idea. Hmm. Okay. So my name is Alistair Barton, and uh, yes, as Stevie said, we've known each other for a number of years, and I've known Mary for a number of years, and it's been lovely to fellowship. I've been here before, but it's a real joy and a privilege for myself and my wife Anne to be back with you today. And as some of you know, since 2015, I've had the privilege of serving as the Director for Pray for Scotland. Our key purpose is to encourage the church to pray for revival in the church and transformation in the nation. We produce and give away prayer resources, leaflets like this one. And there's a whole range of them on a the little table at the back there. And I would encourage you to go and have a look at the end of the service. And if there's anything you like in there, take as many as you want. I don't want to take them home with me. We produce three or four printed newsletters every year, and I know that you receive these. We send out an e-letter on topics with prayer points. We coordinate national calls to pray before elections and referendums. And we work with leaders to build fellowship and unity locally, encouraging them to pray for each other for their community, for their town, for their city, for the nation, united in purpose as one. One other key thing we do, we give away this, the Father's love letter. And I think many of you will have already seen this over the years we started doing this in 2007 and we thought it would just be for a short time but folk kept asking for more and more even during the COVID restrictions and so folk have blessed us with gifts that have enabled us to keep on printing them in batches of 20,000 and we give them away to churches individuals hospitals food banks including the West Lothian food bank they put one in every food parcel Whoever wants to use them as part of their mission outreach activities, because it is a little tract. To date, we have given away 920,000, with another 20,000 due for delivery to my home this coming week. That's far and above anything we ever thought possible. 940,000 seeds of the Father's love being sown into Scotland with a few escaping over the border to England and (laughs) Wales and even overseas as people have taken them on mission trips. My original vision was for half a million, but God's vision was bigger. So now I'm believing for a million, but with God, who knows what we'll do. I believe this is very significant in these days and why? because I believe the revelation of the Father's love will be a key part of the next coming great harvest. So do take some away. There's some at the back for you today, and I can send as many as you want any time you need them. I also believe this is very important for this church and your mission in this community. Because when I had a look at your website the other day, I was struck by your statement, Sowing Seeds of Faith reaping the generations. You could add to that now, sowing seeds of the Father's love, reaping the generations. Amen? Amen. Okay, Pastor Steve has asked me to share some thoughts on prayer, and he tells me that he regularly emphasizes the importance of prayer, to which I say, amen. But before we get into the message... I want to start, oh, I seem to have missed one, there there we go, with a question. I want you to think about your body, the bits of your body you can see and the bits you can't see. My question is, which part of your body does prayer represent? Don't say anything just yet. And if you've heard this question before, don't shout out before the others. To put it another way. When we think about the body of Christ, what is the role, the function of prayer? Answer at the end. (laughs) Now, I don't want you to spend the next 20 minutes thinking about that and not listening to what I'm saying, okay? So the title I've given today's message is Prayer, the Engine Room of the Church, with a subtitle of From Discipline to Delight. Now, when talking about prayer… I always love to show a couple of quotes that I've picked up along the way. So here's a couple to get us started. This one is from the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. Prayer, the sinew that moves the muscle of God. Think about that. In your body are sinews, and it's your sinews that move your muscles. Prayer is the sinew that moves the muscle of God. And here's another one from Martin Luther. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness. So prayer, the engine room of the church from discipline to delight. So where do we start when talking about prayer? Whole books have been written on prayer. Whole conferences have been held on prayer. I hope that everyone here agrees that prayer is a key part of our discipleship, of living our Christian life. But why? Why do we Why should we pray? I'm going to look at this under two headings. The first is personal, and the second is corporate. Personal prayer and corporate prayer. So first of all, personal prayer. Intimacy. The heart of prayer. It's often been said, and I'm sure Pastor Stevie has said it, that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. God created humanity Because he wanted a being created in his own image, a thinking, feeling being with whom he could have a relationship much closer than and completely different from his relationship with the angels. This relationship is one of love, the love of the father for his children and the love of the children for their father. So hands up, those of you today who are married or in a very close relationship, just stick your hands up. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. A good number. As anyone who is married knows, a relationship only works if both sides involved choose to make it work and work hard to make it work. Building a relationship involves many things, but one of the key ingredients is communication, talking to each other, and perhaps more important, listening to each other. Now, God didn't create us with the idea of staying at a distance. No. He created us to have a close, intimate relationship with each one of us. God desires intimacy with you. God desires intimacy with me. He desires communion, communication. We sometimes think that God doesn't need anything, and in a sense that's right. He is, after all, almighty. The all sufficient God. But it might surprise you to know that God desires commitment, friendship, love, and affection. Just as at the human level, these aspects of our relationship with our Father in heaven must be worked on, they must be developed, they must increase, or our relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit will eventually decrease. We are never in neutral with God. We are either moving forwards or we're falling backwards. So, what we have to realize is that Father God is already fully committed to this relationship. He's so committed, he sent Jesus to demonstrate that love through his life, through his teaching, his example, and ultimately his death on the cross. God has already done all he has to do to create the right conditions for his intimate relationship with mankind. There's nothing more for God to do, but there's lots for us to do. God's the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He's constant, unchanging, eternal, faithful, and true. He doesn't have to work at keeping the love relationship going, because he is love. It's his nature. It's his very being. However, we need to work at it. If we are not moving forward, if we are not working at developing this relationship, then we will move backwards. As one writer has said, if we are in the same place spiritually we were five years ago, we'd better think through some things. Change needs to happen, and it's probably not God who needs to change. And here's another one from Abraham Heschel, a Jewish theologian from the 20th century. He said, prayer does not change God. Prayer changes the prayer. Think about that for a minute. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes the prayer. That's you and that's me. Putting it very simply, if you want to know God's love more, it's imperative to develop an effective prayer life. Okay, that all sounds fantastic, but what does it mean? How do we do it? Now, you may be disappointed to hear I'm not going to give you 10 steps to an effective prayer life. There are plenty of wonderful Christian books out there that will tell you what you need to know. We're all different, and what works for me will not necessarily work for you. What I will say is this, you have to give God some of your time at a time that suits you best. And in that time, work out what prayer means for you and what works best for you. But here's a thought, and it might challenge some of us. We talk about tithing our money. How about tithing the time God gives us? I love this definition of prayer. Prayer is simply talking to and listening to God. We sometimes make a big thing about prayer and we think there's got to be a special language and all that stuff. No. Prayer is simply talking to and listening to God. It's having a conversation with the best friend you've ever had. We can have that conversation in our living room, in our kitchen, in our bedroom, in our car, walking our streets or in the countryside. The options are endless. Just think about Jesus In the Gospels, we're told he'd get up early in the morning, go up by a hill by himself to pray, to talk to his father. If it was important to Jesus that he did this, it should be important to us at a time and in a place that suits us. Okay, you may be thinking, oh, that's really difficult. But I want to encourage you. I'm just like you. I know from my own experience just what a challenge it is to make time to pray, to have a conversation with God. As a young Christian in the late 1980s, I tried very hard to have my morning quiet time. Sometimes successful, most often not. So i try all the harder. Note the emphasis on the I there. I would try all the harder. I worked in the National Health Service then, and the higher up the management ladder, I went, and in addition to having two young boys and a marriage, plus everything involved in busy church life, the greater the demands on my time, and the harder it became to set aside time to pray. There were long spells when I didn't do much personal praying. So don't feel guilty if it's a challenge. That's just how the enemy would love you to feel. But God's always there. He's always there waiting for you to come to him. And then there were the times that Anne and I would try to pray together. The enemy hates couples praying together. So he'll do everything in his power to stop that. We'd start off in great style. Then all too quickly, I would find I needed to be at a meeting somewhere or doing something else, quote, urgent, unquote, which wasn't really urgent. When I started to think about it, I realized I had a problem with a commandment in Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still. And know that I am God. To cut a long story short, it was the COVID lockdown that turned all that around. Early on in the first lockdown, Anne said, Why don't we try again to have some time first thing in the morning, reading our Bibles and praying? Thankfully, I didn't come up with yet another excuse for not doing so. So we started. And for an hour or so after breakfast, we spend some time reading and then the rest praying. And the amazing thing is, folks, we're still doing this around two and a half years later. Pretty much every day with the occasional break. And unless it's absolutely essential, I now tell everyone who's looking to arrange a meeting with me or phone me I'm not available till after ten or ten thirty in the morning. Now, I know I have the advantage officially at least of being retired even though it feels like I'm busier than ever with Church, Pray for Scotland, being on the boards of three charities, and much more. I know my circumstances are not your circumstances. And what works for me may not work for you. But you know something? I wouldn't miss that time in the morning now. I look forward to it. And if you're not there already, it can also work for you. You can work out with the help and the guidance of your pastor, your elders, whoever, what suits you. Now, I've told you all that to illustrate the the point in the subtitle of today's message. What started out as a discipline, something I had to work at, is now a delight. Something I look forward to each day. Now, don't get me wrong. Some days it feels as if I'm just going through the motions, and there's no great sense of the Holy Spirit's presence, but that's not important anymore. What's important is about having and developing that relationship with Father God that he so earnestly desires. It's about turning up and pleasing him, not me. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you, show you great and mighty things which you do not know. One result of an ever growing, ever deepening relationship with God is that it allows you to call on him and he'll show you things you didn't know before. That's a promise in scripture. When you set your heart on him and humbly, humbly choose to seek him out, he hears you. And then in Daniel 10, verse 12, Daniel was told, From the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Final thought in this section. You may be seeking for an answer from God to some major issue. It might be health, it might be financial, it might be a family relationship. Now, God's ways are not our ways, we know that. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. So God does not always give us the answer we're looking for as quickly as we'd like or in a way we'd like. The longer it goes on without an answer, the easier it can be to feel like giving up. That's just what the enemy wants. He hates, he absolutely hates it when we pray. Because he knows every prayer is heard and in his own way is answered by God. But there is a purpose in all of this in the waiting. Prayer develops our relationship with God. Prayer develops our intimacy with God, our love for God. Prayer develops our faith in God, our trust in God, our dependence on God, which can be very humbling. We start to want to come to God in prayer just to be with him. Not for any answers or for anything he can do for us. Just to be with him and to build that relationship. Out of which come the answers. It's just as Pastor Steve said this morning. Out of the flow, the overflow, comes everything. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. And part of the kingdom is humbling ourselves, coming to God Independence and trust in Him. So keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking on that door, as scripture tells us in Matthew 7 7. This is vital. You will never know how close you are to the answer you're seeking from God in prayer. It could be just one prayer away. Never give up. Churchill's supposed to have said this. Never give up. Never, never give up. Never, never, never give up. And that was his speech, and he sat down. Remember, as we persevere in prayer, what starts out as a discipline will become a delight. Okay, everything I've said about personal prayer applies to corporate prayer, praying with others. But there's an added dimension to corporate prayer. There's a power in corporate prayer that goes way beyond personal prayer so here's another couple of quotes from Andrew Murray the famous Scots preacher and missionary we must believe that God so must begin to believe that God in the mystery of prayer has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth I think that deserves a wow and Duncan Campbell Lewis Revival Show me a people on their faces before God, gripped in the unction, lovely old word that, gripped in the unction of prayer, and I will show you a people ready for revival. Remember the scriptures that Jack read so well earlier this morning, especially Acts 2 and Acts 4. What was happening on the day of Pentecost? The disciples were praying in the upper room. Now we know what was about to happen But they didn't. They were simply doing what Jesus told them to do, waiting and praying. Then, suddenly, there was the sound. What was happening in Acts 4 when the building they were meeting in was shaken? They were praying, praising God and asking for boldness to preach the gospel. Then, suddenly, the building shook. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting where the building shook? Anybody? No. Me neither. But I'd love to experience that one day. As long as the building stayed up. (laughs) Then think of the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. The one we call the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever thought that it's written in the plural? Not the singular. Give us our daily bread. Not give me my daily bread, but give us our daily bread. And so it continues through the whole prayer. I think Jesus was assuming his disciples would be together when they prayed that prayer. You've probably heard a thousand times that we're living in unprecedented times. We could be here all day, discussing the impact on and the implications for Scotland, for the UK, of the COVID pandemic, and the recent chaos and turbulence in our politics and economics, both nationally and internationally. But let's go back to that first lockdown. Because in the busyness of life, it's so easy to forget the rapid changes that happened then, affecting every part of society, including the church. And as we look back, we realise that some very significant things happened I've just picked out a couple. Suddenly, churches that never done so before are live streaming, just like today. They're connecting with their wider communities and even overseas and doing a host of other things online to worship and maintain fellowship. And suddenly, there's an exponential increase in prayer. Now, hold on a minute. Exponential increase in prayer. How come? We were restricted to our homes. All our churches were closed. What was happening? The explosion happened online. Home groups, prayer groups, whole churches, and folk from different church backgrounds met online to pray. Locally, nationally, internationally. I heard of home groups that were used to meeting weekly or two weekly, now praying together each evening. Churches holding new morning, midday, or evening prayer times, and in some cases all three, and some still doing so. Attendance at online prayer times being at least two or three times higher than the normal church prayer meeting. I have to smile at that one. Was this God's creative way of dealing with the complaint of every pastor that the prayer meeting is the least well-attended meeting of all church meetings? New 24 7 prayer rooms opened around the nation. Church leaders in cities, regions, and across the nation connected in new and innovative ways, more often and in increasing numbers than before. And that is still going on, as Pastor Stevie well knows. I know of churches right here in Scotland reporting folk coming to faith online and, more importantly, connecting into and remaining in touch with that church who knows? Who knows how many more accepted Jesus through that time? God knows. As the impact of COVID COVID grew worse, we started to hear of a tsunami of patients flooding our hospitals. At the same time, I believe, we experienced a tsunami of prayer. And even though we're past that time and the restrictions have been lifted and we've been, quote, getting back to normal, The impact continues. We now have these hybrid services continuing to reach many we might not have connected with otherwise. And the number of leaders meeting regularly to pray for the regions and the nation in Edinburgh and the Lothians, in the greater Glasgow area, in Dundee, in the Falkirk-Larbert area, in Aberdeen, in Inverness, and very recently in the borders, continues to grow. Continues to grow. And if we're going to take a city If we're going to take a region, the pastors, the leaders, have to come together and pray. But there's something else exciting happening. There is a fresh wave of prayer amongst young folk in this nation. Highlighting in certain areas only at the moment, but it's going to spread. I believe a feature of the next move of God is a rising up of the young generation in this nation Some months ago I heard of 60 teenagers meeting to pray in Stornoway in the high school and then around 200 meeting regularly in the northeast in the Aberdeenshire area. That's the area of the 1920s revival called the Fisherman's Revival. Many of us have prayed for revival in the church and reformation in the nation for years. We remember the vision given to Jean Darnall in 1967 of the fire from the north sweeping south from the Shetlands through the UK and beyond. That was 55 years ago. And we're still waiting. But 55 years is nothing to God. He waits until the time is right. Until his people, that's you and me, are ready. Until we're desperate enough to want him more than anything. Crying out to him for his mercy as we acknowledge the sin in our land, aye, even in parts of the church. We've been like a type of tsunami wave. Hidden, unseen, working underground, below the surface. And it's easy to think we're a small group, a single church, on our own. But I want to encourage you this morning. That's not the case. There is more prayer taking place across this nation than you could imagine. And God hears every prayer. And the time will come when he will release the wind, wave, and fire of the Holy Spirit once again across this land. We are currently in a season of preparation, of refining, of purifying, which comes through spending time with God personally and corporately in prayer. He's waiting for us to discover, to rediscover the true fear of the Lord. He's waiting for us to rediscover and acknowledge his holiness in our lives, in our personal lives, in our corporate church lives. Are we willing, as 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, to humble ourselves, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways so he'll hear us and heal our land. What I find fascinating in all of this is that God could initiate a revival any time he wants. He is, after all, God. But in his infinite wisdom, and it is a mystery, he chooses to limit himself and he gives us, his children, the right to call on him in prayer, to remind him of what he's done in the past and to ask that he do it again even to call on him to change his mind. Remember the Spurgeon quote, prayer, the sinew that moves the muscle of God. And the Andrew Murray quote, we must begin to believe that God in the mystery of prayer has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring down its power to earth. That's what I'm referring to when I say prayer is the engine room of the church. It's not our works, our good deeds that get God to move, important though these are. It's not our worship, vital though that is. It is corporate prayer, coming together as God's people to engage with a holy God, standing in the gap for our families, our communities, our nation, humbling ourselves, realizing that on our own we can do nothing to bring about the massive transformation society needs, crying out to God, the only one who can, to release his power, his transforming, reviving power as on the day of Pentecost when the people cried out under the conviction of the Spirit, what must I do to be saved? That's why I join prayer meetings when I can, locally, nationally, in person, online. That's why I go out every Tuesday evening to our church prayer meeting, even though in some evenings it's the last thing I want to do. Yes, there is a cost. There is a sacrifice if we want to see the kingdom of God rule and reign in our nation. And when we're willing to show up, you know what? God honors that and shows up. Just last Tuesday, our little church prayer group gathered, and I share the lead of that. And as I like to do when I lead, we worshiped in song for about 20, 25 minutes and then declared the greatness and goodness of God before we started asking him for anything. We do that regularly and often it's for the first half of the meeting and then we start praying, asking him for things. This time, last Tuesday, the presence of God filled the room and all we wanted to do was sit in silence. Simply enjoying being with him. Just like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus while Martha bustled around in the kitchen. We didn't say anything anything. We didn't have to say anything. God knows what's on our hearts anyway. Though we did pray for our minister of the church and the nation briefly at the end of the hour. It was a special, special time for that group of faithful folk who have turned up pretty much every week for several years and who have seen some fantastic answers to prayer. Now, you may be thinking, does all that coming together and all that praying really work? My answer is an unequivocal yes. Think of the Welsh revival, birthed in prayer. Think of the Lewis revival, birthed in prayer. And there are many others. One of the things I love to say, prayer changes things. If we don't pray, nothing changes. If we do pray, prayer changes things. Prayer is the engine room. There is a supernatural power released when we come together to pray, just as in the time of the apostles, in the time of the past revivals and other special times in this nation including during world war ii you do know i hope that there were seven prayer calls during world war ii i haven't got time to go through them today but every time god answered we all know about dunkirk but that was just the first one there were six others and amazing things happened after that when we don't know what to do we turn to the one who does We pray, we cry out to God for our families, our neighbors, our communities, our nation, for his mercy and compassion that he would heal our land. We've prayed for years for a fresh move of God in Scotland. But scripture teaches us his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. We mustn't put God in a box. He's the one who created that. We mustn't say he did it that way in the past, so he'll do it this way again in the future. No, with God, always expect the unexpected. And I know as a church you love these verses from Isaiah 43:18 to 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is a significant time of preparation for God for what God wants to do in us, with us, and through us as his church in this nation. I believe it's because he's been waiting for so long to get us ready, but we haven't really been listening, that he's decided he needs to shake us out of our comfort zone with everything that's been happening over the past few years, even up to now. I believe a key feature of the next move of God in Scotland is that for the church, it will come out of being in his presence. Not of rushing around being busy for him, but out of seeking his face out of that place of rest in his presence, in his embrace, in his love, just as we experienced last Tuesday. History teaches, and I'm near the end now, history teaches that prayer precedes revival. Prayer precedes reformation. Prayer precedes transformation of societies. Prayer ushers in revival, reformation, transformation. Prayer draws back the curtain to reveal the glory of God. And perhaps most important of all, Prayer precedes mission. Prayer supports and covers mission. I'm sure you know the military analogy. Prayer is the air force bombing the enemy's strongholds, communication links, and supply lines. Prayer is the artillery degrading and destroying the enemy's lines of defense, so that when the ground troops, that's you and me, when we go and share Jesus with folk, we find an openness to hear and receive it's in the preparation through the prayer we find the fish jumping into the net we find the harvest ripe and ready to be brought in so let me leave you with these thoughts about prayer as you look at that picture remind yourself who he is The Almighty God who created the universe, who flung the stars into space and named every one of them. Then remind yourself who you are His beloved, His child. Come and sit with Him, come and talk to Him, come and pray. When God wants to do something on the earth, he gets his people a praying. That's the season we're now in. There's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. And I love this one. When men work, they work. When men pray, God works. Amen. At the beginning, I asked you a question. What part of the body is prayer? Now, if you already know the answer, just keep your hand down for a minute. But if you don't, anybody want to give me a guess? Don't be shy. Say again. What was that? Lungs. Okay. Anything else? Heart. Heart. Okay. Anything else? The The whole body. Well, that's a good one. The lady who said lungs is absolutely right. Prayer is the lungs. Of the body, just as the lungs takes the oxygen round the whole body. Now I know if the brain wasn't working we'd be dead, if the heart wasn't working, we'd be dead. But the body relies on oxygen. We breathe in and round it goes. Breathe in the spirit, the life of God through prayer, and it will flow through every part of the church. Let's pray. I'd like a little bit of congregation participation in this one. If you are, not, are okay with this, I'd just like you to put your hand gently on the shoulder of the person next to you or behind you or before you, however you're sitting. If that's okay. Thank you, Father. Lord, I want to thank you for every brilliant, wonderful, good gift that you give us, but especially the gift of prayer. And Lord, as a fellowship, we just come into agreement this morning. And I'm going to take the liberty of praying on your behalf and saying that we commit to increasing the prayer life of this congregation. However, that happens, whatever that means for me as an individual, we commit to increasing the prayer life of this congregation because we know, Father, that prayer changes things. And we know you delight when we come into your presence just to talk to you, which is another definition of prayer. And Father, we sang that wonderful song this morning, I Speak Jesus, and about breaking every stronghold and the chains of captivity. So as we lay hands gently on the person next to them, we corporately pray for that person That we are next to, that you would pour your blessing into them right now. You would pour your love into them right now. They would know your presence. They would know your love. They would know your arms of comfort around them in the way they've never experienced before. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we break every assignment of the enemy against that individual, that man or that woman that we are sitting beside. We lift off depression. We pray healing into their bodies. We release finances into their bank account. We release jobs. We pray for an increase in faith. We pray for an increase in joy. We break every chain that the enemy seeks to bind us in, to hold us down. And we declare in the name of Jesus that we know the truth that you are who you say you are, he is who he says he is, and that truth sets us free to rejoice in you, to praise you, to worship you, but above all, to come to you in prayer, knowing that you hear, knowing that you listen, and knowing that you answer. So Father, I pray a blessing over this fellowship right now, over Pastor Stevie, Mary, the elders, and all who serve, and every single one of them, including the ones online who can't be here today. And I pray, Father, that from this day, in the name of Jesus, the impact of this fellowship in this community will grow. The kingdom of God will be um, increased, will be enlarged in this community as these faithful people pray, as these faithful people pray or walk, as these faithful people share the love of Jesus everywhere they go and ask all these things in the wonderful and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.